How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the midweek edition of the Apples and Genos Fantasy Hockey Podcast. As you can probably tell, this is not Nate Grootnibling. This is Josh Hutchinson. Uh, and I'm very excited to provide you with some fun and hopefully useful fantasy hockey content. Today with me, I have the only Eagles fan in the entire state of Texas. It's John Binkle. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. I took that playoff loss in stride, and uh, it was a real weird energy in Dallas after the Cowboys went down. So I can, <laughs> I'm, not, I can, I'm not all bad. I can imagine. That was, uh, that was a painful, terrible loss and very typical for my, for my uh, favorite sport teams. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think yeah. it's your fault. It probably is my fault, honestly, man. Uh, some about the blue and white. <laughs> oh man and uh but uh if you're disappointed that you're hearing my voice instead of the voice of our supreme leader um never fear nate's here as well how you doing nate i'm doing good i'm uh you know sitting back in my easy chair here letting you guys do the hard work it feels good i'm just here to talk <laughs> hell yeah man that's good you deserve a break it's it's great you do a lot of hard work um, so we've discussed recently um, the possibility of calling this midweek episode something a little more creative than the midweek edition. Uh, so I thought maybe we could workshop some ideas on Mike here. Um, so I have a couple that I thought of, but uh, it looks like John added some ideas in here. I'm really excited about one of them because it's almost identical to what to one of my ideas. Um, so you thought of snapshots. I like snapshots, but the one I'm really excited about is uh, so we typically record on Wednesday so far. I mean, I mean, things could change, but I, uh, hump day hockey hacks. I like that <laughs> a lot. I like that a lot. I had actually thought of hump day hockey headliners, okay. but I wasn't, I wasn't sold on the headliners. Uh, yeah, I was, I was kind of hoping for another, another word there. So the hump day hockey hacks, I'm really, I'm really into that. Nice. What do you guys think? I think Solid it's alliteration. Yeah, I love the alliteration. I think it goes along with our segment titles. It's really nicely. Um, so we'll throw it out on the Discord. Um, by the way, if you haven't heard, we have an Apples and Genos Discord channel. Check it out. It's free. It's awesome. Come talk fantasy hockey. It's a lot of fun. Um, so uh, we'll throw it out on the Discord and, and see uh, what everyone thinks. If you guys have any ideas, um, send them in on the Discord as well. Uh, we'll take those into consideration, but I'll be totally honest. I'm really excited about Hump Day Hockey Hacks for sure. <laughs> hump Day Hockey Hacks with Binksy and Hutch. I definitely feel like a hack, so it, it works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is perfect. Uh, me too. Uh, the boys are in the midst of the busiest week of hockey that we've had in a while, and I'm pretty psyched. Uh, so let's jump right into it and talk some fantasy. Um. So we'll start off with a segment we like to call must make moves. Um, so basically we're going to bring, uh, bring forth uh, a few players, uh, a player that we're going to add this week, a player we're going to drop, a player we're going to trade for, uh, and a player we're going to trade away. So I'm going to start with you, John. Who are you adding right now? Josh, I'm, uh, I'm eyeballing Braden Shen pretty hard right now. Um, I know it probably seems like I'm a closet blues fan, at this point um, with all the love for their forwards lately, I assure you I'm not, I'd like nothing better to do than to launch the entire organization into the sun with Bennington <laughs> on the, on the nose of the rocket. Like, I'm not a Bennington you, fan at all. <laughs> so when I tell you that I, I 
I really like these players. I really like these players in spite of of the sweater they're rocking. Um, so, with that said, Shin was an IR hold for me. Um, Barbashev was a pickup while I waited that out. I fully expected Shin to be the one that um, that paid dividends, right? Um, and that has somewhat been true. Um, Barbashev is is uh, is kind of lightning in a bottle right now, but. Um, I spent a lot of time rummaging through notes and talks about St. Louis, trying to surmise who was going to be the better option between the two of them. Um, that seemed to have been fruitless because they're on the same line and they're passing it to each other. So um, at one point I actually dropped one for the other and then immediately dropped the other one back and picked the other one up. Like I, <laughs> I clearly can't make a decision on it. Um, I can tell you, um, I can't tell you who the better overall option for your fantasy squad would be. I think that probably um, pertains better to like your individual categories and, and how things are weighted for you, uh, what the rest of your squad looks like. For me, I stuck with Barbashev. Uh, what I can tell you is that as highly as I regard Barb, um, I'm still checking on Shen. I'm, I'm looking for it. I'm trying to find ways to, to get him back onto my roster. Uh, it's a tough place to be. But the rub is that they're currently on the same line with similar power play deployment. Uh, both are playing well and producing from game to game. It's worth noting that in the recent game against Nashville, their points all came together uh, with assists going to goals for one and then vice versa, which is just so typical when I can't make a decision in fantasy hockey. Um, <laughs> so injury concerns are a constant uh, for Shen. And the team itself is in flux as notable players come back into the fold. I kind of feel like they're like Carolina where they just keep rolling the lines and, you know, the number doesn't really mean anything. Um, so you really got to, you got to work at the production versus the, the time on ice and et cetera. Um, but I feel really good about the team as a whole. And that kind of makes me sick. Um, can you add Shen as he re reconnects with a blazing squad? Absolutely. I think you can. He's probably available in a lot of leagues, uh, probably available in your league. Uh, but Josh, should you be adding him? Yeah, I'd, I'd be adding him. I've added him a couple times this year, actually. Um, streamed him a couple times right before he's been injured or has gone out on COVID protocol because he's been out, I think, three different times this year. Um, he struggled at times when he came back from his first injury. He was basically doing nothing for seven, eight games. Um, was bringing nothing, no hits, no shots, like zeros across the board. So I was a little concerned about that, but he's heated up, but just struggling to stay in the lineup. But now like he came back for one game, got four points. Uh, that top line has been ridiculous. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly has been really hot. Um, but actually I, I did notice today, I looked at the, the uh, line combos and Barbashev has been moved down to line two, actually. Um, and they've got David Perron up with Shen and uh, O'Reilly. But really, like like you said, with Carolina, like you can roll that top nine however you want uh, when they're all healthy. And and uh, with the breakouts that they've had this year with Jordan Cairo and uh, Barbashev and, and all them, uh, it's uh, they have a lethal forward group. I think it is going to be goaltending uh maybe defense defense their defense is pretty solid but bennington is such a streaky guy I, I you you just don't know what you're gonna get with him so i think they'll go as far as as however hot bennington is um that makes but sense. yeah 
I, I'm definitely a Shen guy. I would definitely be picking him up. I think he's like 52, 53% owned in Yahoo. So definitely a guy to check out. Sounds like the other 40%, 47% bought Barbashev. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, John, who are you dropping? So uh, this is a big week for me. Um, I did it. I finally dropped the most undroppable player in hockey this year. Uh, Tyson Berry is no longer a wait and see for me. Uh, he's gone, and it feels so good. Um, no, I mean, I'm, I'm lying. It, it doesn't feel good. It feels like selling a car because the tires need to be inflated. Um, <laughs> still, it had to be done. Like, he's just dead weight on my roster. At, at this point, I should just be rostering somebody that just goes out and gets blocks, somebody that does something. Um, things in Edmonton are going south. McDavid is irritable. Dreisaitl is, is tired of fielding the same questions about a lack of production and, you know, and the, and the elephant in the room about the goaltending. Uh, Barry is nowhere to be found. He's actually getting less time on ice, which is just laughable considering the state of their team. Um, an offensive defenseman is a weapon to wield in, in fantasy hockey, but this year Barry is a gun with no bullets. Like I keep, I keep thinking he's going to start firing it off and it's just not happening. Um, situation is rife with opportunity and safe for Bouchard. There's no one else coming for his spot. It's not like he, you know, he has um, like uh, his, his feet to the fire. And yet, Tyson has done next to nothing with the time on ice um, next to the most potent one and two in the NHL has ever seen. Uh, the metrics show a similar season to last year when he was, as we all know, uh, an all-star with eye popping numbers. The situation is the same. The deployment is the same, if not a tiny bit lower average time on ice. Uh, so based on repeated disappointment, I let him out to dry and he was picked up immediately. Um, I mean, I think someone picked him up at like 4 a.m., you know, um, sunk cost, one man's trash and all that, I guess. I think there's a chance for someone from Edmonton to be useful in the second half. Uh, and I'm hedging bets with Evan Bouchard, um, who is also an incredibly talented player who's not doing a lot. Um, but as for Tyson Berry, bye. See ya. You're someone else's wait and see before dropping now. Um, do you think I made the right call? Was it was it too soon? Yeah, man, it, it's tough with Barry. He's uh, uh, it's a difficult one. He's got he's got what seventeen points this year, which isn't yeah. terrible yeah. for a defenseman. But for for where he was drafted, uh, his ADP was pretty high, like after last year, and there was no reason to believe that he wouldn't be scoring 60, 70 points uh, on that top power play. That's ridiculous. Still scoring at. 30%. They're still first in the league. Um, and he's quarterbacking it. I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on with him. Um, it's very, his, his shot totals um, and his point totals are on pace with uh, what he was doing in Toronto yeah. two years before, which was. Uh, and they're, and they're shots that are getting on the net too. I mean, yeah, they're, they're making exactly. it there and it's still, there's just nothing good. I, I can't explain it. And at this point, I, I don't, I, it's, either he's hurt or he's got a voodoo curse or I don't know, but <laughs> yeah, man, I, I still, I still don't know if I, myself, I don't have Barry in any of my leagues. Um, I think that's, that's, that would have been a really tough decision. Um, I don't know that I would be dropping him, but yeah, that I I'd be pretty close to it at this point. I've got a uh, Barry in one league and I am still holding on to him. Um, 
first off, there's a lot of there's a lot of bad signs with Barry, right? Like he's lost over a minute and a half off his average ice time from last year. His shot rate is down. Um, his on ice Corsi four scoring chances for it's all down. Uh, doesn't look good. Uh, that may be somewhat indicative of just where Edmonton is at as a team right now. I do think that um, Coach Tippett is kind of throwing everything in the kitchen sink at the team, trying to keep his job. And I don't think he has any clue how to get more out of the terrible team that they've assembled there outside of like their top four players. So I think that's part of it. I think they're like, I think it's just a bad situation and uh, everyone's being affected right now. Even uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl have fallen off their like crazy pace that they started off at. Um, Barry does have a little bit uh, lower IPP than you'd expect, 41%. He's normally above 50. Um, the on-ice shooting percentage is 10.6 this year versus 12.1 last year. Um, it's harder, obviously hard to say that he would maintain a 12, 12% on-ice shooting percentage, but uh, you did expect that he'd be able to do that a little bit more um, just being on that elite Edmonton power play. And he still is there. Um the last game he played, he played almost 24 minutes. So it seems like at least for one game, he's back in the good books. <laughs> he had three shots, 10 individual course before. Like it was on paper, a good game for him, but again, no points. So this to me is just a case of uh, a team that's kind of spiraling and you got to kind of make a bet on the team. Do you think the team is going to, has the wherewithal to rebound or do you think the team is just going to continue to spiral um, because I don't think Barry is, I think Barry is a really good distributor. I don't think he's like, he's not a car, right? He's not going to, he's not going to score the goals himself. He's going to put the puck into the right positions for McDavid and Dreisaitl to score their goals, but he's not really going to be the guy to uh, actually put the puck in the net or make a, make a move, make a guy miss and, do it himself so he needs them to be on for him to reach his full potential his full potential is still great i projected him to have the most points of all defensemen this year when i was doing my projections i didn't expect this drop off um i do still think that on the on the chance that he's better i'm willing to hold on to him because if he does turn it around and he does get back to that then he's suddenly like almost elite again even without the peripherals so for me personally, I'm holding. I am not going to tell you that you have to, um, but that's what I'm doing personally. Makes yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you with that for sure. Um, I'm, uh, I'm going to talk about someone you should trade for. So this week, I, I chose my, my trade candidates this week uh, in the context of capitalizing on the games played disparity between te teams. Uh, due to COVID postponements. Um, Yahoo's put out a statement on their fantasy pages saying that week 16 will include the entire Olympic break, which is not a break anymore. Uh, so that includes January 31st to February 27th, uh, which is four weeks. And you'll only still only get four ads over those four weeks. Um, there's going to be a lot of makeup games that are likely going to happen over this span. So planning ahead in the next couple of weeks could serve you well if you want to get that win or or um, uh, win as many categories as you can that week, um, week, quote unquote. 
I think I, I think trying to acquire players that are on Canadian teams or teams like the Islanders uh, that have played way fewer that have played way fewer games than everyone else is probably something to consider. I'm not saying go out and get as many Canadian players as you can, get as many Islanders as you can, but if if uh, if a deal makes sense, I think it's definitely something to consider. Um, that being said, I'd recommend kicking tires on Brock Besser. Uh, he's had a bit of a down year in terms of point output. Uh, he's got 10 goals and 9 assists in 32 games. Um, but he has 6 goals and 9 points in his last 11. And that's since Bruce Boudreaux took over as head coach. Now, he basically came out in uh, in his in one of his first press conferences and was like, Hey, I just told Besser to start shooting like he used to, and uh, and and he did, and then he just, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> uh, I guess he's feeling good about himself. Uh, that's something that Boudreaux does for for his teams. His shot totals are up, uh, his shot attempts are way up since Boudreaux came around. He's got an elite shot, and uh, although he's historically had trouble staying healthy for a full season, he usually scores at about a thirty to thirty-five goal and sixty to sixty-five point pace. Um, in an 82 game season, uh, and Vancouver had a tough four game road trip this past week where they played a murderer's row of teams, including Florida, Tampa, Carolina, and Washington. Um, but despite going one and three on the trip, they actually played pretty well outside of the Carolina game. They greatly outplayed Tampa and still lost. Um, and, uh, they actually beat Washington. Um, and this is a team that's on the up, I think, in my opinion, and, uh, Besser's a guy that has a solidified position in the top six and on power play one. Um, and uh, on the season, despite his point totals, he's still in the top 50 in the league in terms of shot attempts and scoring chances for on the year. Um, so I have a feeling he's going to catch fire even more than maybe he already is. Um, and I don't think it would take too much to acquire him in a trade. But uh, what do you guys think about Besser? I, uh, I think you're on the right track here, Josh. Schedule work is, is going to be really important in the next few months. Um, just sheer volume is going to make all the difference over a four-week week or, you know, even if you're you're playing in ESPN or fan tracks. I mean, if it's the just the volume of games um, packed in there is going to make a big difference, you know, in, in a game where we accumulate stats. So... Um, we're in agreement about Vancouver's energy. Uh, we were talking about Pearson last week. I feel the same way about uh, Beezer in that same light. I actually wasn't aware that um, he's in the top 50 uh, in shot attempts and scoring chances. Um, had I known that, I might have highlighted him last week um, rather than Pearson. I really like the situation. I like the energy around the team. I like the schedule lineup. Um, I like what they're doing with Boudreaux, just kind of sending them out there and telling them to unload the clip. Um, the team is playing better together and individually. Um, it's very much a low cost opportunity. I support hunting Beezer. I think the owners may already know what, you know, um, and as such, you'll pay more than a pittance for him. Uh, but I think it's still a net gain for me and I I'm, I'm on board with it. I think it's a good call. What do you think, Nate? Yeah, I'm definitely on board here. Uh, Besser's doing all the things I like to see. The time on ice is way up. His last six games, he's averaging over 20 minutes. Shot attempts, the individual scoring chances for, he's averaging like four individual scoring chances for per game, which is right up there. Um, so, yeah, all signs go for Besser. Um, 
there's nothing nothing that I don't like about what he's doing under the hood. He hasn't actually put up all that many points. Like he's got points in his last few games, but before that he had three straight without any points. So um, maybe somebody views him a little differently if they've had him for a while um, and maybe they want to get out. So there might right. actually be a little, little buying opportunity here. And I'd definitely be interested in that. All right. So my trade away player this week, again, a little bit controversial, um, but it's Troy Terry. Uh, the Anaheim Ducks as a team have played the most games in the NHL at this point of the season uh, with 41, uh, which is significant when you look at teams like the Islanders and Senators who've only played 32. So that's a difference of nine games. Um, the Ducks started the season really hot, uh, and everyone's been laser-focused on the flashiness of Zegris, the resurgence of Getzlaff as a legit playmaker and top-six center, uh, as well as Troy Terry's ridiculous scoring tear. Um but I feel like not a lot of people are talking about the fact that the Ducks actually get outplayed more often than not, even when they win. And they're actually 2-6-2 two, and two in their last 10 games. Um, so that being said, just because the Ducks are coming back down to earth doesn't mean that Terry necessarily is going to. Um, he's actually been really consistent in terms of his offensive production all season. But he's got an IPP of 80% and a shooting percentage of 24%. And those are huge red flags to me especially in the last when in the last couple of years, his IPP was around 60 to 65%, um, which is m more closer to average. Uh, and his shooting percentage last year was around 10%. Um, so the, these, are, these numbers have gone up drastically. Uh, so trading Terry, I think it's definitely a high risk play. So I'm not saying definitely do it at all costs, but I think you could potentially land someone that's uh, established, more established as a high-end talent and potentially someone who has a lot more games to be played over the rest of the season. So maybe a guy like Matt Barzell, you might even be able to get more than that uh, because Terry's been so good. Um, it's definitely something to consider, uh, but what do you guys think? Um, Terry's a tough one, Josh. I want to say yes, of course, uh, this key can't continue. The stats don't lie in that regard like it's it's kind of otherworldly and, and on a not so great team it makes it that much more impressive um yes of course the ducks aren't really that good of a team um we saw that going into the season we were all shocked for the first 20 games and you know it kind of i would say tapered off but it really tapered and fell off a cliff um so the problem is that they seem to feed off the beat the odds and and screw the haters mentality like if you look at Terry when he scores a ridiculous goal out of nowhere, he's got that pay me my money look, you know, like <laughs> he's got that that. Yeah, you didn't see that coming, did you look? Uh, so were it anyone else on the Ducks, I had to project the rest of the season and put my rubber stamp on it. I'd say confidently sell, you know, there's there's no reason this team should be playing well. Um, I, I don't know that I can do that with Terry. I would venture the Ducks go uh, as he goes, and up until this point, he goes pretty hard. Um, they're clearly riding him for all he's worth. Uh, if I can sell him, I probably already did. And if I can't upgrade, I'm still very happy with his production. Um, I tend to be on, you know, my rosters are full of teams doing well rather than a good player or a great player on a bad team. Um but in this case, you know, it's it's an otherworldly player and, and 
until that those statistics like take a sharp decline and really show that drop, I'm probably sticking with them. Uh, plus, isn't it nice having West Coast players to watch in the late slate? You know, <laughs> maybe for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that had not occurred a, to me. That's probably a little late, a little late for y'all. <laughs> a little bit. Well, for I work nights, so it's not so bad. Uh, <laughs> Nate, what do you think about Terry? Yeah, yeah, definitely. In terms of the stats, all the all the regression warning signs are there. Like you mentioned, the IPP, the shooting percentage, the on ice shooting percentage, it's all high. Um, but you know, two things can be true about the same player. And Terry has legitimately taken a step this year. Um, he's definitely playing at a much higher level statistically uh, than he ever has before, and I don't think that that can't continue. Um, so I wouldn't be looking to sell him, you know, for nothing. Um, but like you said, also given the, given the schedule remaining, Anaheim having played the most games so far, um, I would be willing to move Terry for like, um, if, if my team was absolutely stacked, I would even consider moving Terry to open up a streaming spot, a streaming spot rather, (laughs) um, just because I think streaming spots are that important. Um, but yeah, the stats are all there. The schedule is not going to line up for him very well for the rest of the season. Um, this is probably your best exit point before he potentially, uh, you know, falls off a bit. Um, so yeah, I'm with you on this one. Uh, sell Troy Terry. I actually went a step further and I sold Trevor Zegras in the uh, Apples and Genos Patron League uh, this past week. What are you looking for? I was a two-for-two deal, so I I sold Zegers and Landis Cog for Batherson and Hartman. Oh, my avalanche heart. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was a a big boy deal, uh, but the schedule played into it, and uh, my issue with Zegers is, first off, I never trust rookies. And second off, if he starts going down, uh, he's kind of the guy who has to make things work. So if he starts to fade at all, that line doesn't work anymore. Uh, so that's kind of my, my thinking. It's not so much that I think that necessarily will happen, um, just that it might. And I thought it was, uh, it was worth kind of taking what I figure is a more stable situation for Hartman uh, in between Kaprizov and Zuccarello and on the top power play in Minnesota. so Yeah, that he is a good also, flip talent-wise. He also doesn't really do much peripherally, so uh, mm-hmm. whereas Hartman and Batherson do pretty much everything. So I think yeah. that's that, I think that's that's a safe deal. Yeah, you um, came out ahead in that, I think. Yeah, I think so. Uh, so we're going to move on to a segment we like to call Stream Save Sucks. Um, so this is where uh, we pick a percentage roster ship uh, in Yahoo leagues, we take a look at the list and we pick three three players um, that uh, that we're going to compare at, at about the same roster ship, um, and uh, we're going to choose who you, who you want to keep for your team, so who you want to save, who you're going to stream, and who you're going to drop, or who sucks in this case. Um, so, so uh, what's our percentage roster ship this week, John? Um, so I came up with 78%. I have literally no reason for that. Um, I was, uh, doing some work in my office and (laughs) that's what occurred to me. And uh, I looked it up and it seemed like, um, a good spot to, to tackle takes. So awesome. I, I think, uh, let's, 
let's go with actually let's let, let's go with Larkin, Claude Giroux, and Matt Duchesne. Okay. Good deal. Um Duchesne yeah, is uh yeah, it is. Um they're they're all I think um possible for all three categories. Um I'm gonna go with sucks with Oshi. I don't uh I don't see him being healthy enough to be a consistent factor for them. There are other players across the league, you know, line two, line three, that are are getting more consistent time with opportunity. So even though he's playing next to one of the greatest players of all time who is having a resurgent season, um, I he's not he's really out, playing. He's out in the cold <laughs> for me. Yeah, I mean, you know, what do they say? The best ability is availability. So – he doesn't have it. He's he's out in the cold for me. Um, I would say my stream is is uh, Giroux, uh, mainly because the Flyers are just terrible. They're just not good, um, and I, I feel like he has like cement in his skates this year. Like you know, they're they're talking about him getting traded with his 999th game as a <laughs> Flyer, which is just poetic. Um, so he's he's stream worthy for me. Like he's clearly the best best option on their team, um, and he's possibly available. There's there's a lot of people that are probably sticking to him just in terms of of the name on the on the back of the sweater. But um, for me, he's a, a stream level player at this point. Um, Duchenne, I'm I'm saving, and I, I have been um, for for most of the year. Um, I expected a dip when Forsberg came back and it, and it happened to an extent. Um, but he's still very much capable of a hat trick on every night. Um, Nashville is still playing very, very well. Um, and they're in a division where they can really, you know, put the brass to some people. So, um, he's, he's top of the list for me. Um, although I have been trying to get him off my team in a two for one. Uh, to open up a streaming spot, so don't let me um, don't let me misrepresent. Um, what, what are you doing with Larkin? We had Larkin kind of in there too. I know um, I, we had Oshi in the notes as a as a fourth guy, but uh, uh, what are you doing with Larkin? Oh, saving, saving. Yeah, that's yeah. that's what I think. I think he's an easy save. Um, I think Oshi is an easy drop. That's why I think initially I I, I was going to leave him out. Um, just because of just purely because of health, um, but if we're looking at Larkin, Drew, Duchesne, I'm saving Larkin. Um, he's he's been having a pretty good year, and it's been pretty steady. Uh, and I think is on the up. Duchesne, I think, is my stream. Uh, it, he's it's funny. We uh, Nate and I were talking about how he was kind of dipping. We mm-hmm. talked about on multiple podcasts last week, uh, and then he came out and has been scoring every game since. Yeah, just so, turned it right. Back. Yeah, he's turned it right back around. So I don't know. I don't know what to say about Duchesne really. So I, I, I probably stream him, and then I guess Giroux is my drop. Um, I don't like his situation in Philly right now. They're they're a dumpster fire, uh, and although he's still uh, producing. Um, I think out of those three, he'd probably be my drop for sure. Yeah. Um, what do you think, Nate? Yeah, I think 
I think I'd go the same. I think I'd go save Larkin. He's turned it back on of late. Um, you know the role is guaranteed there. Um, to some extent, you do think the role is pretty guaranteed with Duchesne as well, but um, he has kind of always been a hot and cold player. Uh, so I'd stream him for the week, hope that he's hot for the week, and then uh, I'd drop him after that. And then, yeah, Drew would be Drew would be the last man uh, standing there, and I'd have to drop him. Uh, I similar to John, I'd have Drew as kind of a a streamable level player at this point, um, just the way Philly's trending, uh, and yeah, his potential trade like that usually weighs on a guy, and yeah, just not a great situation there. All right. Well. I think we're going to move on to to your segment, John. All right, let's do it. Uh, so the eye test corner is uh, really just based on actually watching the game. It's um, not really in, in high regard for um, deep dives into, into statistics and Corsi 4 and IPP and whether the shot is actually making it to the goal versus just being a shot attempt or, um, you know, points for, points against, uh, X's and O's, right? Um, so my test subject this week is more of a study than an enlightenment I had just watching a game. Um, I made it a point to um, sit down and really intently watch the Pens play uh, Vegas. Um, I've been concerned about what happens to Evan Rodriguez as the Pens get their top liners back and whether there's enough biscuits for his basket on that team. Uh, so I took a long look and I figured I'd learn as much about uh, Carter and Rust and Malkin while I was at it. Um, so here's the scoop. Malkin is not up to speed. Um, he's really struggling out there. He's making a lot of bad decisions late in the play. Um, and of course, he's a phenomenal player. I don't, I don't expect that forever, but at this moment, he's really having some trouble. Um, Carter is old, and at the end of a six-game road trip, it really, really showed. He was behind every play. When he did get a break early in the, the first period towards the net, he put the laziest flop of a wrister into <laughs> the chest of Laner. Like it, I, I thought he was dumping it. Like I don't, it was <laughs> awful. Um, he wasn't, uh, Russ is involved in, in getting optimal deployment, but he wasn't as effective as you'd assume against a subpar defensive team in Vegas. Vegas actually, actually, um, they looked solid defensively in, in that game until until late in the third when it all kind of came crashing down and, and the comeback. Um, so uh, I, I, I hate saying that rust is rusty because it just makes <laughs> control, but um, I think that that may be true. I, I think uh, Malkin is is probably still reeling a little bit, um, and I think rust is is just just trying to get his bearings. Um Erod was lightning quick when he was on the ice. I was constantly looking for him on the ice and he was barely there. But when he was there, he was just flashing across the screen. Uh, unfortunately, there was no one with him when he was doing that. Like he was flashing across the ice and then he was pulling back because he had no teammates. Um, there was nobody with him. Like it seemed like uh, he and Crosby had a fifth gear and everybody else was stuck in third. Um so probably to be expected with less than 15 minutes on the ice for him spread across less than 20 shifts. Like, yeah, obviously your legs are going to be fresh if you're mm -hmm. not getting, you know, put out there on the ice. Um, but 
but seriously, just watching him, he looked he looked very effective, and it was disappointing because he didn't seem to be used. Uh, I can't say I expect the Pens to suddenly bump seasoned veterans down the line because I really don't. They're you know they're an original six franchise. They're not they're not pushing people out like that. That's just not how they do things. Even with the crazy year that he's having, um, I stand by them needing to. Uh, he's their leading power play scorer. Like he's been incredibly effective. Uh, he's got fresh legs and he's on a season long heater. The rest of the team is up and down injured and or old and or both. Um, so as somebody rostering him, I'll be holding on a little bit longer, waiting for Pittsburgh brass to, to shuffle things again, or perhaps injury does it for them or, um, you know, COVID, et cetera. Um, but obviously I'm not going to be able to hold on to him forever, but at this moment, I'm, I'm going to let it breathe a little bit because he still looks very good in the moments where he is on the ice. It's, it's really disappointing to see him, um, to not really be out there and be so skilled while he is. Yeah. I'd, I'd be holding on to Rodriguez as well. I think it's a little early to, uh, uh, to jump ship on him. Uh, he, I, I'm looking at the deployment right now and I think I, I'm looking at, they got Kasperi Kapanen with Malkin and Zucker on the second line. And I, I could see, uh, I could see him and Kapanen sw- uh, swapping spots at some point. Uh, if things, if things, uh, if they're not really liking the way that things are going, um, but also, I mean, you, you, you know, like everyone knows, uh, Pittsburgh's top six is no one in the top six is ever healthy. Um, this is the first time all year that they've been completely healthy, and uh, I don't think it'll be long before uh, someone's out with something. Um, and uh, I think Rodriguez will be first man up uh, in that situation. Um, just because he's been so great, so I would definitely hang on to him. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't really know what to say. I haven't uh, I haven't watched them extensively since everyone's been back. Uh, but uh, Rust is a guy. I mean, he's uh, uh, he's I mean, similar to Braden Shen, we were talking to before. He's he's it's been impossible for him to stay in the lineup. But when he's been in the lineup, he's been he's been otherworldly. He's been amazing. Um, so I imagine that's probably just uh, that was probably just a tough game. I think it was his first game back from COVID protocol. So um, yeah, yeah I think right in there. If it wasn't his first, it was his second. Yeah. Yeah, I think he'll probably heat back up again. Um, so I'm not too concerned about that. Malkin as well. He's been out forever. Uh, Carter is yeah, like you said, he's old, um, but uh, he he's got. Uh, he fires the puck a lot, so he's still he's still a nice a nice streamer. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't really have much more to say about that. Like I, I think uh, Rodriguez, though, I would definitely be hanging on to him. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm with you, both of you there. I would hold on to Rodriguez for a bit. Um, I think he's probably pretty comfortably within their top six forwards, uh, talent wise, and. Uh, production-wise on the season, obviously. Um, still in that 14 minutes he played the other night, he still had three shots, um, five individual Corsi four. So it was a solid night given the given the deployment. So, yeah, I'm definitely holding on to him. I want to see a little bit more. Um, if he's ever only going to get 14 minutes a night, then it becomes a little bit harder to hang on to him because there are not very many players who are worth hanging on to in your 12-team leagues who are only playing 14 minutes a night. Um, but definitely I'd probably want to see a couple more games and 
see if this is really going to be a trend before I uh, jump ship on a guy who's been so good for so long. Okay, so we're going to jump into the mailbag. Um, these questions are provided by um, the wonderful people in the Apples and Genos Discord. So if you ever have any questions you want us to uh, address on the show, please let us know. Throw them in there. We're always um, accepting topics. So um, first one we have for this evening, what is the ideal amount of streamers? Josh, you want to field this one first? Sure, I'll, I'll field that. Um, I... Uh, I don't think that there's really an ideal number. I think it depends on your situation from league to league. Um, uh, like for example, I have a, a couple different leagues. I have one, uh, Apples and Geno's um, patron league. Um, I'm quite happy uh, and have been for quite a few weeks with uh, almost everyone that I have right now. Um, but whenever there's, uh, whenever someone is out or day to day, I'm putting them right on my IR plus and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm streaming someone that way. Um, so I, there, there are leagues where uh, that number fluctuates a bit and maybe there, maybe you're not streaming as many people. Um, but uh, I have a points league where I'm not as happy with my lineup and I, I'm, I've got like three, four streamer spots every week. So I'm using all of my, all of my ads every single week uh, to try and maximize games played. And it's a really deep league. It's a 14 team league uh, with more roster spots than average. Um, so the, the streaming options are, are pretty sparse. So um, it, it, it's, uh, it, it's a little more difficult to, to stay consistent. So um, in that situation, I'm, I'm using my ads constantly. Um, so yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say that there is really a specific number. Um, you kind of just have to assess, um, how you're feeling about how you drafted, how your team's looking, uh, your injury situation and, um, how deep your league is. I've, uh, I've been lucky. My, uh, my leagues have IR plus, so it effectively is a streamer for me. Mm -hmm. Anytime somebody is, is day to day or out or etc i really have that spot open um and the rest of my team is is really really solid across the board um so i've i've been lucky to to not have to really um clear out a streamer spot in my roster um i think in in an ideal world you have uh, set starters and a backup between every two positions um and then one spot on your team for whatever category you feel weak about uh, in that, in that, in that period. So, uh, ideally I say it's one, um, truly ideally zero. You shouldn't, you know, if you, if you had the best of all possibilities, you wouldn't need a streamer at all. But, um, but having to use one, I would say one is probably it. Nate, what do you think? Um, I think it, like Josh said, it definitely does vary from situation to situation. Um, because I'm going zero G in every single league that I'm in, I'm definitely usually using one ad every week on a goalie, um, which I just think is the optimal way to play the game. Um, so I kind of have a goalie streaming spot almost, if you will, um, in a lot of leagues, uh, unless I really hit on goalies early in the year. And now I have three stellar goalies. Um, generally, um, I'm trying to have at least one spot open um, for streaming on my team. If I don't have a spot open, I am usually trying to look to open a spot up um, 
I'm comfortable with anywhere from one to three streaming spots in my boards and defensemen, though. Good deal. Seems like um, different strategies across the board. I like the sound of it. All right, so uh, second question for us in the mailbag. How to determine player value as a seller and retool for the future? Um, Nate, I feel like this one is geared, geared towards you and your expertise. Yeah, so determining player value is uh, its basically what I'm trying to do all season long when I'm doing like these trade targets articles that I put out. Um, basically, I'm, I'm looking at these advanced stats. I'm comparing them to career averages. Uh, I'm trying to understand potential reasons why they could be higher or lower than they have been in the past. Uh, you know, like we talked about Barry earlier, um, I just think that this is a team in a death spiral. Uh, Tippett is pulling out all the stops trying to save his job. I think there's a pretty clear kind of cause and effect for um, why that team and by extension Barry is doing poorly. Um, so I try to take those things into account. If there are things that I think can be resolved, then that player still has some value to me. Uh, if there are things that I think will not be resolved, then that player has less value to me, obviously. Um, and then obviously uh, it could be positive situations. They could be doing really well. Look at Nazem Kadri this year, right? Uh, guy's playing out of his mind. He's scoring points every game. It's something we've never seen from him before. Is it all that sustainable? Uh, probably not based on the stats. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to use the stats to kind of tell me if a player is performing higher or lower than they probably should be. And then uh, if they're performing higher, then theoretically uh, the rest of your league might value them a little bit higher than you do because you're expecting them to come back down from that high. Um, and that's where you can kind of try to make these deals. And especially as a seller, you're looking for those guys who are performing higher, who are uh, kind of performing at a higher level right now than you think they pretty much ever will again, right? Uh, if you're looking to retool for the future, you want to be out on these guys because their value will never be higher uh, to the rest of your league. So you want to sell them um, in a trade at kind of maximum value. Um, so that's what I look at. Uh, the three uh, kind of regression metrics that I keep talking about are individual points percentage, IPP uh, shooting percentage, and on-ice shooting percentage. That's kind of my holy grail top three that I'm always looking at. Good to know. Um, so, Nate, I have to ask you as a follow-up to this question, and this is just my own personal interest um, as somebody uh, in a keeper league or, or people listening that are in a, a dynasty league. How do you factor picks into that hmm. when you're when you're equating value for something to sell? How how are you working picks into that? You do you see picks as extremely valuable, or are you using them more as an asset to have a player that you can track rather than just um, a future option? Yeah. Uh, so obviously pretty different between keeper and dynasty. Like if you're in a keep three or something like that, then, you know, a fifth round pick is uh, still a pretty decent player. Um, if you're in dynasty, then you're looking at basically just the rookies. Um, so in a keeper, what I would like to do in that situation is I'd go back and I'd look at, you know, if someone's uh, trying to trade me uh, a fifth round pick for my guy, I'd go back and I'd look at last year's draft and see who was going in that fifth round in the last year's draft and try to figure out kind of just approximate uh, what kind of player value that pick will be. Uh, and then you can kind of compare that that type of player and uh, who you think you'll be able to get in the draft next year to uh, your player that you're uh, being offered on. In terms of dynasty, um, 
I really don't think that the NHL is all that great at scouting these players outside of maybe the kind of elite players that we all know are going to be studs. I mean, just look at the Rangers with Lafreniere and Kako. We thought these guys would be superstars by now, and they're still kind of uh, spinning their wheels, getting dragged along by Zibanejad and Panarin. Um, so uh, to me, I don't rate... Uh, dynasty picks all that highly. I would much rather pay a slight premium after seeing it for a little bit, uh, seeing some progression. If they can, you know, if they get drafted out of junior, they go to the AHL and they're a point per game player right away in the AHL. That's a big sign for me. Uh, so I'm much more likely to value a player in the AHL over just a draft pick that I think may or may not hit. It's so hard to evaluate these 17, 18 year old kids and what they're going to project to be as a 23 year old um, star or never even in the league. Right. right. Um, so to me, um, in dynasty, I'm often trying to trade my picks or, um, trying to, yeah, just find somebody who values them higher than I do. Um, I would much rather be trading picks for players that maybe someone has soured on a little bit, but, um, I, I still believe has the numbers that they're going to break out, uh, even if they're kind of taking the long road to do it. I had a feeling you might uh, lean towards hard data versus just future options. I don't, I don't know where I got that from. <laughs> I had a feeling. I had a feeling. Um, okay. So um, second half potential goalie takeovers. Um, Josh, do you have anyone that jumps out at you in, in this list for, for goalie takers? Do you see a resurgent for Laner? Um, are you looking at, Cal Peterson to to eclipse quick and and become the star of the show. Or are you looking for the same thing in Dallas with Audinger? I, I mean, I, I would hope that that Laner would would have a resurgence. Uh, I think Vegas is probably only going to get better. I don't know. Um, they're going to get Jack Eichel back at some point, um, so that that will probably help. But I don't know how much that helps them defensively. Um, I think uh, Jake Ottinger is a guy that I think. Uh, I think Dallas probably should ride with um, uh, another guy uh, that I think might be a sneaky, a sneaky pick is uh capo Kakinen in Minnesota. Um, not really sure how long Talbot's going to be out, uh, but he has been, he's been playing every game since he's been out and he's been great. Um, and I think um, they're, uh, they're kind of a toss up to begin with. I thought they would be more of a tandem this year, but Talbot, has kind of rolled with more games, but when Kakinen's been playing, he's been he's been really good. And uh, I think if there is a lingering injury there with Talbot, um, he's definitely an option. And he's still pretty low uh, as far as like even even though he's playing all the games, he's still only forty three percent owned right now. So he's a guy um, that you could definitely jump on. And Minnesota is one of the best teams, so that that's definitely a great option. I have to say I'm uh, I'm jealous of of all of the interest um, and energy behind zero G because uh, this year I went like positional uh, relative value and went pretty high with goalies. So I'm I'm watching these and like seriously interested because I have a real love for goalies in general, um, but I, I don't have any needs. So <laughs> the the uh, personal interest is pretty low for me. So I have to defer to you, Nate. Uh, here, who are you looking at? Yeah, I still think uh, Cal Peterson is a good look. Um, he just got lit up by Tampa Bay. You know that happens. It's Tampa Bay. 
Uh, LA actually outplayed them in terms of chances for sometimes That's that happens. Use. They're, they're a wagon, man. I'm on the <laughs> LA Kings train. I'm with you on that. I'm with you. They look good. They look really yeah. good. Yeah, I do think there are better things ahead for LA, and I do think Peterson is probably the better goalie than Quick at this stage in their respective careers. I think Quick is starting to fall off maybe uh, just from carrying the load all season. You know, he's like 36, 37, something like that at this point. Um, That's I 84 do think, in goalie years. Yeah, exactly. So I do think that Peterson will at least get 50-50, uh, if he had, you know, if he had like shut out Tampa Bay, I think he'd probably get a huge run of games oh, yeah. out of that. Um, so I was a little bit disappointed that that didn't come true. Um, but I do think it'll be at least 50-50. And I do think that Peterson should be able to outplay quick for the rest of the season. So uh, Peterson's kind of my guy there. I like it. Um, I, I have to ask specifically, if you're if you're going to bet on a goalie in Colorado, which goalie is it? Oh, that's a tough question. I think I'm uh, still Kemper. It seems like such a lateral move to me. Like I don't, I don't even notice one versus the other when I'm when I'm watching them play. Like they, they seem like the exact same goalie to me. And people are so interested in in the battle. And I'm like, I, I don't know. Yeah, I think just the fact that they invested into Kemper in a meaningful way in terms of the draft, uh, the trade capital that they sent away Connor Timmons in a first round pick I think it was uh, I think they uh, don't want to have the egg on their face with that trade too much so unless uh, Fran Francuse Francuse I have no idea how to say his name uh, unless he just absolutely runs away with it then I, I think, think I think it's Franco Franco all right I think so you guys are closer to French Canada so I don't I don't know but yeah I probably oh, yeah, should yeah. be able to <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm part French, but I know no French. So, <laughs> all right, okay, gang, that's gonna do it for our midweek work. Um, we can't thank you enough for listening. Join us and hundreds of others in the Discord and tell us what you think of the show. Drop some questions in the mailbag uh, if you want. You can shout us out on Twitter. I'm at at Media. Josh is at JustJoshin41, and our fearless leader Nate is at Apple's Genos with your best hockey content. Uh, feel free to retweet us. We, uh, I guess, accept DMs. I don't know. I think we're all married spuds, so um, maybe, <laughs> maybe not in the DMs. But, uh, but yeah, give us a shout. Um, and, uh, and definitely talk to us on the Discord. We're all very active, and we're very opinionated, clearly. So, um, Okay, boys, say good night. Good night. Much love, everybody. Good night, world.